When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is a crowd podcast. And Dan Aziz just steps up to the mark, performs and does what's asked of him. Surely, George, total bollocks. If Wilder wanted to fight Usyk, they could make that happen. Drop Joshua in sparring, chinned him. Paterviev. He won't be able to throw as much as I can, and he was just wrong. Let's get on with it. I'm George. He's Deck. Hello. It's the George Groves Boxing Club. Hello, Deck. Hello, George. How are you? I am brilliant. This is our sort of preview i suppose of zhang v uh joyce we'll smudge our way through with some other news and headlines and other gossip shall we but first of all we always need to start how was your weekend lovely weekend actually bit of a uh, bit of sun this apparently is going to clear off soon mm-hmm. swindon won again george swindon are undefeated this season tell me lost. tell me a swindon stat that's going to blow my mind swindon town are the only club in the football league without a letter from the word mackerel in their name. Is there any fighters out there the same? Can't fit mackerel in their name? Can anyone come up with a boxer or two without any of the letters from the word mackerel in their name? Yeah, so last week I went to a film premiere with CBS. Big up CBS, of course, the WBO's cruiserweight champion of the world. I went to the premiere of Mike Skinner for Of The Streets. He's made a film, directed a film and stuff. Um, so we went to the premiere in Broadgate in sort of East London-ish. Who comes over but national treasure, Kano? And he says, Deck. And I'm like, what? And he shakes my hand and he goes, I've had your voice in the car every day. And I was like, yeah, mate, likewise for the last fucking 20 years. He's a listener. He said uh, his favorite pods, he loved the Poochie one. He had no idea what a journeyman was. He just thought they were shit. And the Barry Jones one left the, or made a lasting impression on on Kano. Of course, Kano, music fame, but recently Top Boy, with a great bit of TV if you haven't watched it. It's the new season's out now. And Kano actually totally spoiled the ending. I won't tell tell everyone what he said. I've seen it. CBS hasn't seen the ending uh, and Kano totally ruined it for him. But if someone's going to do it, probably better Kano than anyone else. So I'm sure you know, or you're thinking what I'm thinking, and that is, well, is he coming on the pod? He says he is, but... It's fucking Kano, innit? I mean, I've messaged him, but, you know, watch this space. He will be listening. So, Kano, this is your reminder. Come down, see us. We need to see in stars with Kano, don't we? We do. And Top Boy, not one letter from Mackerel in it. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Although the first one was called Top Boy Summer House. That's got an E in it. Anyway, been a few quiet weeks of boxing, hasn't it? But this is the start of a run that basically takes us up to Christmas Intriguing rematch. Joe Joyce, of course, bludgeoned into a sixth round stoppage when the doctor deemed or suggested that his right eye was so bad that the fight needed to be called off. 
Firstly, my question to you, George, is it the right decision from uh, from Joe to go straight back into a rematch or could, could he have done with rebuilding somewhere else? To be honest, I think where Joyce is at this stage of his life and career... Going in a different direction could have been just been too much aggro, too much too much hassle. He's moved at a fast pace, hasn't he? Because he knew turning over at the age he was, time wasn't on his side. And he has sort of performed great. Zhang, I think, you know, for a bit you're like, oh, is he just a gatekeeper to the to the elite division and not the gatekeeper that Roy Jones was explaining so well of a former champion coming back down and sort of guarding the upper echelons of the division. More so that he just won't quite get there. Whether he is that or not, I'm not sure. He still hasn't got there. But I think for Joyce, you know, it would only be another lateral move. Why not just go back in and avenge the loss? I don't know. I mean, what do you think, Dick? I don't think he was like, he was in there with someone he can't beat. He just didn't perform last time. He got it, you know, he got it wrong. So, you know, how were you thinking? Yeah, I can't, I'm kind of with you because of the age and stuff, because he is getting on a bit. I mean, Zhang is as well, but it's not like he can hang around and go a different route. And of course, this this was for or is for the WBO interim heavyweight title, which Joe Joyce was the holder of. If he'd gone a different direction, he would have lost that immediate rematch right. Therefore, he knows if he wins, he's probably going to be called as a mandatory. And I think the thing that makes me think this is a good idea is because he did get it just so badly wrong. You know, if he boxed well and got beaten, then you're thinking, well, what can he change? But we've seen Chris Eubank Jr., for instance, get stopped, come back and win the rematch brilliantly. I spoke to Joe Joyce and he basically said that he had started to believe the hype around the chin. Obviously, people saying he's indestructible, he's what's he made of? You hit him with anything, it doesn't have an effect. He was starting to believe that. So he just thought, oh, I'll just walk through this guy. Actually, Zhang was accurate, powerful, and it wasn't the chin. Forget the chin, it was the eye. His eyes are made of, if the chin's made of granite, the eyes are made of, skin and bone like the rest of us um, and it just couldn't hold up to the uh, couldn't hold up to the bludgeoning of, uh, of Zhang which was like basically every time he threw a shot as an orthodox fighter Zhang was just slipping it countering from his southpaw stance landing eye socket nose chin whenever he wanted to do you reckon that's true though that he believed the hype of you know the, the chin will just take it I know he said it to you I'm not disputing that but Joe like is that just sort of a fail safe after you know get just fucking getting getting bashed up because you've got zero head movement zero defence maybe he just thought I, I've got away with it because he has been caught at times and still got away with it your old mate Frotch used to say He's just genetically different in that he gets hit on the chin and he doesn't go over. Obviously, you proved that wrong, but he, he believed that he's you know genetically different to other humans, that he can withstand certain things. And I, maybe Joe did think that, or at least he thought, if he catches me, I'll be all right because I've proven it in the past. Like He won't be able to throw as much as I can, and he was just wrong. Yeah, you can back your chin and then be like, right, go 50-50, punch with him, trade, and I'm going to come out on top because my chin is better. I'm, you know, But he was just so slow for me, Declas. I'm just frighteningly slow. So he wasn't even like, take a shot to land a shot. It was just take a shot to take a shot. I hope he's made some some serious changes. Yeah, and tighten up the defences because you know, they're a little bit more than just leaky, aren't they? They're like... Um, they're non-existent so but yes but just speed it up a bit he's not going to be lightning fast he's never going to be that fighter but he definitely got to, got to just be a bit quicker whether that be a bit lighter you know um or just a bit more agile on the feet i don't know do you know what i mean so 
But I, I, I got a feeling he's going to be better. Like this is one where immediate rematch. I'd sort of still pick him. I'll pick Joyce to win. I think he can make the changes and the adjustments and go and win. More pedigree lies with Joyce, and I think he's still hungry for this. You know, I just think he'll edge him out, and therefore I sort of make I make him the favorite. Not a massive, massive favorite because of what happened the first time, but I still would make him a favorite. Deck, how are you seeing it? Yeah, I think I tend to agree. The other thing that Joe said when I interviewed him was um, that obviously we know that he comes on strong in the later rounds and he throws a lot of punches and he has the engine, but he wasn't allowed to show that because the stoppage came early. So if he can get through five, six, seven rounds, he comes on strong. And then Zhang, conversely, has been known to fade. Maybe it's his age or just the way he boxes. But I remember Dave Allen saying a long time ago, Jolet uh, Zhang is the best heavyweight in the world over three rounds. He starts really well. He has a good start. And that's what he did against Joyce, peppering him and then just got in his groove and Joyce couldn't come back from that. So I think if he can just weather the storm for a few rounds, then he can take over on the later rounds and yeah, enforce. I think he, I think he wins this fight. It sounds like they've had some real sort of talks in the camp. I think they just got it wrong. First fight, maybe we're a bit casual about it, a bit complacent. If they are again, He'll lose again. Any technical talk that give him? He just, do you know what he just said? He just said, um, well, I've had two camps preparing for a southpaw now. He, he just couldn't quite work out the angle. And obviously, Zhang's been boxing orthodox fighters his whole life. And that's always the problem with boxing a southpaw. But if you're prepared for it, then it's not a problem. But he obviously wasn't. And he says he has been this time. You reckon he maybe could be need for being lighter? I, I believe, I think. Reading between the lines, he's going to come in heavier. Try and put it on Zhang in a bit more of a educated cute way as opposed to just trying to walk through what he's got um, because it ain't going to work. Right, also on the card, of course, is Anthony Yard. Right, he returns in a 10-rounder and it is his first fight since he was stopped by Arthur Beterviev. Looking forward to seeing him back. Yeah. I don't know. Who's he in against 10-rounder? Is it just a knockover? It's TBA. Yeah, it's TBA. TBA. Um, I think the point is, is that he's getting back on the horse yard. It was a hard fight he had against Paterbiev. I thought he boxed well at times uh, and in the end got stopped on his feet. Uh, Tunde threw in the towel in the end. It means he's been stopped now by Sergei Kovalev and Artur Paterbiev. So murderer's row, to be honest, at light heavyweight. The shakeup in that division, Paterbiev has got three of the belts. WBC, IBF, WBO. Dimitri Bivol's got the other one, the WBA. Now we hear Dimitri Bivol might be boxing Lyndon Arthur. I think that'll go to America. And if it, that's not the fight I'm hearing, it'll be Lyndon Arthur against Craig Richards, ECM, which is a really good fight, all British light heavyweight fight. Um, anyway, Anthony Yard, what I'm thinking here, George, where does he fit in? Right now, I don't think he, he can beat Bivol. On his day, he's a really good fighter. But if you look at the guys who he's in and amongst, and another great spot, just another mackerel spot from you, Deck, is um, the WBC rankings. Number one, number two, number three, and number four, all Brits. So it's Smith, Buatzi, Aziz, and Yard. I think it's a fair shout. Do you know what I mean? I think it's a fair shout to have them guys in there. You know, sure, you can always argue about if someone else can slip above them or even in the order of them four, but they've all got either great form or names on their record that constitute why they should be 
highly ranked with the WBC or any of the world governing bodies. Yards obviously lost at the start of the year and maybe just dropped down, but dropped down to fourth because he gave a good account of himself. So, he's, I mean, he's still in the mix. You know, we're seeing across the divisions, you know, former champions get beat and then they still stay at number one, number two sometimes. So, I can't think of a time in history deck where a world sanctioning body said four Brits as his number one, two, three, four. Are any of them going to be able to win a world title? Can Smith beat Baturbiev when they eventually fight? Whoever wins out of Dan Aziz and Joshua Boazzi, are they going to go on and win a world title? That's the question here. And it's all well and good being ranked high, like one to four. Baturbiev, of course, the champion in the, with the WBC. Not getting, you know, he's getting on a bit. So is Bivol. So it might be an opportunity. I wouldn't write Callum Smith off in this fight against Baturbiev. He might get the better BF of Baturbiev that night. He's re- rejuvenated, revitalised at light heavyweight. He rarely he puts in a flat performance now at light heavyweight like he used to do down at super middleweight the bigger the fight you know the, the more he sort of zoned in they've had a delay haven't they um Turvio's had to have surgery I think it is and it's delayed to New Year so I mean that, that's not ideal but it seems like a substantial layoff you know when when fights are delayed by three four weeks it sort of just messes up your camp Whereas this is sort of like they've gone back to the drawing boards, gone away, had a rest and gone again. You know, I don't even want to pick a winner yet between Dan Aziz and Joshua Buatzi, but they're both, you know, Buatzi's a, a high-class fighter. He's an Olympian. You know, he's a good athlete. I don't think he's reached his full potential yet. And I hope that one day he does. And Dan Aziz just steps up to the mark, performs and does what's asked of him. So both those guys could give the likes of Bivol a run for their money, I think. You know, Bivol is an exceptional champion. You know, we saw his performance against Alvarez where he showed his dominance like a big, light heavyweight, well-schooled, good discipline, you know, good athlete, strong. So on his day like that, he's quite hard to beat. But we have sort of seen him underperform at times. If there is someone who can get the measure of him, who can figure him out, then I think he can, he, he can be beat as well. So um, I think that, yeah, light heavyweights, we might be sleeping on the division where all the belts <laughs> could end up back in Britain, you know, or at least at least one. Anyone else on the uh, on the undercard, George, that we should look out for? Well, should we give a shout out to ECM Moses Atuma? Oh, cool. yes. He boxes Amin Bruschetta. I actually bumped into him at the um, Tyson Fury Francis and Garnu presser on Tottenham Court Road the other day. He just came with Francis Warren actually just to watch, and he he was like, "This guy's getting it. He's had two decision wins in a row, Atuma." I'm looking forward to it. He's, you know, we, we all know how exciting he is. If you haven't heard our episode with, Mo, with Moses, go and listen to it. He's the, um, could be the future of the heavyweight division, George. He, he was the one at that presser, just on the subject of heavyweights. We're all down in this presser here at Outernet, which is Tottenham Court Road sort of music venue. Point is, so we're all there waiting for this presser. As you do, you get there early and just hang around. You wouldn't know this, George, because you were usually the ones making us wait. Anyway, Atoma comes in. He's like, if, he's like, someone's been bottled up there. Someone's bleeding all over the shop. We're like, what? And then the footage starts leaking through of David Adelaide and Fabio Wardley, two British heavyweights. Fabio, of course, British heavyweight champion, have had a row upstairs on the red carpet. Wardley's chin is pissing with blood. They were supposed to do a presser before Fury and Garnu to announce the fight. They're going to fight and they might still on the undercard in Saudi. But because they had this big row, they couldn't do the presser. So we sat waiting for another hour. Anyway, it was Moses Atoma who um, who broke that news to the to the journalists who were waiting because he was up there in his usual sort of sort of nonplussed way. He was like, "Yeah, someone I think someone's been bottled." Someone. And we're like, "What? What's happened?" Um, so yeah, Moses is the is the super sleuth of the uh, in the journalism world. So maybe he could be a reporter one day. Um, should we have a break there, George? We've got some more heavyweight news coming in the second half. Got loads to discuss. Tyson Fury will be one of them. 
sticking with Tyson Fury kind of for a second um, like I said there that presser was to announce his fight with MMA bloke Francis Ngannou in Saudi on October 28th but Bob Arum who's co-promoter of that fight by the way and of Tyson Fury the top rank uh, supremo the legend of the sport he said the other day that Usyk against Tyson Fury I, I, I don't really want to talk about it again because we've talked about it for a long time but he said that Fury Usyk could even happen in December this could be an easy night for Fury if Mayweather McGregor is anything to go by. Surely, George, total bollocks. Usyk's got these mandatories that are just accumulating. So, yeah, maybe December's the, the right time to do it. This ain't a real fight. It's an exhibition. So, I'm sure, like, they'll have a little push and a pull. And then um, Fury wants to keep keep the ball rolling. I'm not sure what sort of camp he's done. Like, has he done a real camp? Has he not? You know, you know. I know, he's, I know Andy Lee, who, you know, has worked with him on off but sort of looks after him and he's got Joseph Park and, and um, plenty of others in the gym and he, he tells me you know whenever I see him that Tyson Fury he loves to train he's always training he's always ticking over but obviously there's a massive difference between sort of ticking over and doing something and preparing for a fight I know in the heavyweight division just even ticking overs like for a lot of people impressive but um, it might it might just get this might be like the, the shake out for the start of camp and then he fights Ngannou and then he would go straight into the gym following week for a December fight. Yeah, and it, it sort of makes sense for, for Usyk's timescale if he's up for it. I mean, he seems to say no to nothing, doesn't he? It's funny you should mention the mandatories there because, yeah, it's a good point. Obviously, they're all calling him. His last mandatory was against Daniel Dubois and that was the WBA. And last week, Frank Warren officially lodged his appeal with the WBA, basically asking them to overturn the result from Poland during which, of course, in the fifth round, Daniel Dubois drops Usyk with a body shot slash low blow. The referee called it a low blow. Big scream up. Usyk, given ages to recover, comes back, stops Dubois. Warren claims and the whole team and Dubois that he was robbed out there. He should be the world heavyweight champion uh, and the WBA should act by reinstating him as a mandatory. We spoke about this already, but do you see, I know we both sort of, landed in the end with yeah it's probably low and that's fine but do you see given your experience of sanctioning bodies and whatnot there's any chance the WBA might get that appeal and go yeah do you know what maybe he's got a point let's run it back they might reinstate him as a mandatory but they can't overturn the decision because we had that explained to us before Richard Sullivan sort of explained it, the WBC president. They can, it's the governing bodies. So I don't know who the governing body was in Poland, but they're the ones who are in charge of whether there's a no contest or not. But he's got a chance of a mandatory, I think a slim to none, because Usyk is the draw. Usyk's got three of the four belts and he's got mandatories accumulating anyway. So a mandatory suits the champion. This time, I really don't think it does. Dubois will come again. I don't think it's the right move for Dubois to go back in anyway. So make a big fast, a big hullabaloo, which uh, Warren is one of the best at. Yeah, live to fight another day. Yeah, speaking of Frank Warren, he knows the drill here. He knows it's probably unlikely, but he suggested that a fight could, that could sell out anywhere in England is Daniel Dubois against Anthony Joshua. Initially thinking about it, I was just thinking the presses and the fight. Do you think Dubois Joshua or rather Joshua Dubois sells? You think maybe Fury Joshua's got that, you know, 
interest. But Joshua Dubois, two big punches, one of them's got to go, you'd imagine. One of them's got to go. I mean, Josh, Joshua with a decent dance partner still sells. And uh, it's a great fight for, for Dubois in terms of what it builds. And it's, you know, he'll, he'll, he then goes from being a boxing name to maybe a bit of a crossover name. Uh, and it's, if he wins, then, you know, his career's flying. Just one on that Dubois Joshua. That was famously, can you remember, Dubois claims that he dropped Joshua in sparring, chinned him once. Depends what you believe there. But back to those WBC rankings, which came out last week. They, obviously Tyson Fury is the champion. who He still has the belt, even though he's boxing an MMA guy. But they have made their new number one and two, Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder. Really, in this day and age, it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to fight. If they call them as a final eliminator uh, and give them some sort of purse instruction, like 50-50 or whatever, then we could start getting excited, I would think firstly i mean i don't think either joshua or wilder need to rely on boxing themselves into a mandatory position to get a shot at a world title joshua was i don't know somehow willing to succumb to fury's demands whatever they may be then they could make that fight if wilder wanted to fight Usyk, they could make that happen it might just be a super bit of clever business from the wbc they're like are you two gonna fight each other in in saudi yeah all right i'll tell you what we'll create you this saudi wbc belt the heavyweight division and make you number one and two and the winner goes on to fight for the prestigious green belt it's a great bit of marketing and business from wbc they do have something that all fighters want you know, we all, it's, it's an affiliation belt that you'd you'd want, like the WBC sanctioned body that you want to be working with. So if they say, "Yeah, we'll make you one and two and you know, we'll create this sort of belt and it'll be a big thing, a bit more meaning to it rather than just a fight," I think both fighters will probably sign into it. The sanctioning fees for WBC will get carved out. It's the sort of the guys who are trying to break through, like the like the Joyce's, like the Hergovic's, like these sort of guys. They're the ones who you can see really obsessing about fighting themselves into a mandatory position. They might be left on the shelf for years. One key thing that has kind of cropped up, which really, regardless of any rankings or anything else, could be the major problem here. Apparently, and it's been reported widely now, that the money that was being put up for that crazy fight, crazy night of Joshua Wilder and Fury Usyk on the same night was from Skills Challenge Entertainment. Remember those guys? The ones who signed Alexander Usyk, the men with all the money in Saudi. Turns out they ain't got the money anymore or they haven't got as much as they used to have because Turkey Al Sheik, the chairman of the General Entertainment Authority, is now kind of holding the purse strings. He's the man who's working with Frank Warren for the Fury and Garnu fight, which is obviously unbelievably lucrative for both of those men. In fact, Tyson Fury said he's he's making a bag that none of us could carry all together. So he's getting a load of money. So this Turkey Al, Al Sheikh, he's got the money. Skills challenged out of the money anymore. So those talks between Wilder and Fury about big, big money that they were going to get from Skills Challenge are no longer there. So they're probably going to have to reignite that with the General Entertainment Authority, which is not out of the question, but it kind of just feels like we might be back to square one. I wonder if that fight just never happens. Fingers crossed, eh? One more shout out, George. Do you know who else is in action this weekend? It's, it's the Nuki Bomber, isn't it? The one and only elite club member, Brad Pauls. Now, if you're not aware of or familiar with the name Brad Pauls, he was the guy who lost to Tyler Denny 
in February for the English middleweight title. And in wake of that defeat, he messaged us. In fact, he messaged George and he said, George, I've just suffered the first defeat of my career. Any advice? How do I bounce back? Et cetera, et cetera. We thought we need to get him in. Let's do an episode with Brad Pauls. Came in. Episodes obviously in the feed. Go and listen to it if you haven't already. He returned in April with a six round points win. And he's now boxing again for the English middleweight title. So we've sort of gone full circle. Actually, I must say that show at York Hall is very good. There's an English light welterweight title on the line. There's also a Southern area light. Well, it's just one of those really good stack cards. I would say if you've never, and also if you're a boxing fan, you've never been to York Hall. It's an amazing place to go and watch boxing. It's a bucket list tick. If you're thinking, if you're free, there won't be many better top to bottom shows than this one. If you want tickets, pr- Brad's probably still flogging them actually. So hit him up on the socials. And if you do go, let us know how it goes. Let us know if you enjoy it. Um, we wish the Nuki Bomb all the best and Mitchell Frearson, of course, may the best man win. There will be a new English middleweight champion though by the end of Saturday night, unless it's a draw. We're going to have to put a pin in this here, right? Because we are back on Wednesday with a magnificent episode. I guarantee you haven't heard this one before. We've got cameraman Tom in, good friend of yours, sparring partner of yours. Big bastard Tom Hamp. Leaves no stone unturned. Life behind the lens. So this guy followed me. He filmed docs on me, definitely for both the Frotch fights. So in the change rooms on fight night, it'll be in the gyms during camp. So we got to get to the bottom of what it's like being a cameraman in the world of boxing. That's Wednesdays. That's definitely not worth missing. But not just that. I'm seeing you Friday as well. We have none other than Jim Hamilton in for our Seeing Stars episode. Six foot ten, Jim Hamilton, former rugby star. And also, of course, he's very busy at the moment because it's the Rugby World Cup. He's down there pitch side running the rule over everything that's going on in the Rugby World Cup. So we thought, what better time to get Jim Hamilton in the club? Famous for his fighting to be honest, as a rugby player. So we're going to see what his, his thoughts on boxing. Seeing Stars is back, George. I've missed it. Of course, Tom Hamp is a, a star in his own right. We've obviously done Phil Sharkey, the photographer, but the cameraman life is a different life to that. I haven't I haven't mentioned it and I can't leave without telling you that if you haven't become an elite club member right now, you need to do it. And it's very simple. Just hit the follow button in your podcast app. You need some music probably for the interludes in between those three pods get on Spotify, check out our playlist, The Ring Walk. You could search it on Spotify or you can go to our link tree on our Twitter, GG Boxing Club, uh, and the playlist is on there. We also want to hear your suggestions for the playlist because if they're any good, we'll stick them on there. Speaking of the socials, get in touch because we want fantasy fights. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. But those fantasy fights involving it, at least one of our elite club members would be would be fun to run the rule over. And you can email us any longer form comments at what's the address, George? Uh, the address is ggboxingclub at crowdnetwork.co.uk. Don't forget, if you want to listen to us ad-free, you do that on Amazon Music. And finally, Deck, before we go, huge shout out to, uh, well, he's, he's going to be an ECM because he must listen. It's Robbie Chapman, who heckled me coming out of uh, Baker Street Station first thing in the morning. I hadn't had breakfast yet. I couldn't see straight. He's like, George. So I look, he's in a white van. Could be anyone. He goes, you are right?" And I was like, all right, mate. <laughs> and he goes, oh, it's Robbie Chapman. And I went, all right, Robbie. He goes, I'm on the Poochie episode. And I went, wicked. I was looking for a line bike, to be honest, Nick. So mine was occupied, but shout out Chapman. Big shout out Robbie Chapman. Well, he's going to enjoy Wednesday and Friday episodes, I'm sure, as are we, George. So I'll see you on Wednesday. Ciao, Bella. Ciao, Bella.